0: You're listening to Understanding Disordered Eating, Episode 3. I'm your host, Rachel Heinemann, and today it's just me and a little bit of storytelling. I like to see my work through various different metaphors, and one of them is storytelling. In order to gain any sort of understanding of your life and work toward healing, we have to learn the story of your life, your entire life. One of my favorite quotes is by Carl Jung, a famous psychoanalyst. And this is how it goes. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. If we live our life without thinking about how our story has dictated our life, we let our past experiences sit in the driver's seat, driving our decisions, thoughts, feelings, and reactions. If we're lucky, we're sitting in the passenger seat, but probably the back seat. By exploring how our past is driving the present and working through what we haven't wanted to look at, we regain the control and get in our own driver's seat. And then we get to dictate our future. I figured I'd bring a hypothetical story to you. And after story time, we can delve into the why and hows of this person's life. The reason why I'm doing this is because I think it'll be helpful for you to start thinking about your own life if you see how I do it with somebody else's, you can start to integrate some of the questions that I have and begin to be curious. Curiosity is the number one best quality for this process. Always asking why. Ironically, I never actually use the question why, because it usually makes people feel defensive and doesn't push the brain to work in the same way a How did it come to be, question does. And the point of asking all these questions in the first place is to get those creative juices running. Today is the story of Kate. Now, keep in mind that I've made her up so she doesn't actually exist. And I'm intentionally trying to make this interesting. So there'll be plenty of details that may not be important to understanding her life. But maybe you'll find significance in something that I've missed. The point is, I want you to look out for what stands out to you, because that will probably be significant. Kate is 29 years old. She lives in New York City with her fiance, Josh. She is a beautiful woman. She has long, straight, light brown hair and green eyes that at times seem almost translucent. She is 5'5", and don't put too much emphasis on this is visually thin. She is always dressed in different fabulous outfits and her favorite color is ivory. She loves designer clothes and everyone usually drools over her shoes. She's engaged to Josh and is planning on getting married in a year. She and Josh met around four years ago and after dating for about two years, moved in together. The weird thing is she doesn't really feel excited about the wedding. It just seems like a chore to her. And even when Josh begs her to come meet with the caterer, she agrees begrudgingly and ends up coming half an hour late to the meeting. Kate works in finance and has a pretty good job, but she doesn't love it. She doesn't really feel connected to her coworkers and often feels overworked. She has trouble saying no to projects or even inserting her opinion about pretty much everything. She fantasizes about quitting her job, but has no idea what she would do if she did. She doesn't even know what finance is for her at all. Kate went to an Ivy League college and spent most of her time there studying and going to classes. She made some really good impressions on her professors, which is how she landed this job but often wonders how this networking thing actually works because besides for the impression she made on her professors, she hasn't been able to develop meaningful relationships with people. She knows it's important and wants to connect with people but doesn't really know how. This mystery bothers her a lot because it affects her ability to make friends outside of her career, friends that she actually feels connected to. I guess you can say that Kate struggles with low self-esteem. Kate is pretty self-conscious about her body and is always trying to lose a couple pounds. She's been on so many diets, and even though she's sometimes able to lose weight, she usually gains it back within a couple months or years. If she had to be honest, she'd She did feel better about her body when she lost weight, but that would probably be denying the misery she was in at the time. Even now, she isn't currently on an actual diet, but stays away from so many different types of foods and gets really anxious when she eats outside of the home. She is preoccupied with food. She thinks about what she'll eat at all moments of the day, If she went out for lunch or dinner, she'll skip a meal earlier in the day and then browse through the menu all morning to see what she would order and then spends extra time at the gym the next day. She is pretty distracted by how her body looks and feels and often checks herself in the mirror like a hundred times a day. Overall, she's pretty distracted by food and seems to be thinking about it all the time. She tells herself it's because she is a foodie, and that's not entirely untrue. Kate loves bon appetit and often experiments with some recipes on the weekends. She even has her own ice cream machine and nerds out over her recent vanilla bean purchase. Kate is so stressed about wedding dress shopping. It's another part of the planning, so she hates that, but is confused by it because she loves fashion. When talking to her coworker, Jen, who just got married, she realized that maybe she's anxious about how she'll feel in her body. As time goes on, she knows that she can't push the shopping off, but her anxiety is too high. After one too many arguments, Josh suggests that she try therapy because she really seems high strung about it lately. They end up fighting a lot because she's irritable, and he also notices that when she doesn't eat for long periods of time, it's even worse. Maybe it's self-preservation for him, but he encourages her to go. Kate probably doesn't even realize it, but she's kind of depressed. She keeps to herself and gets pretty anxious when she has to go out with people. Everything feels like effort to do. She feels empty inside and longs to feel understood and like she belongs. Kate wonders a lot. She's a big thinker and contemplates the complex nature of her relationship with food all the time. She wonders why she doesn't really like herself and why it's so difficult to make friends and build her network. She knows that there is so much more to her exercise, disordered eating, and body image, but she has no idea what that is. She can probably tell you all the ways that she can decrease her anxiety and boost her mood, but... She'll probably roll her eyes if she had to do it herself. Kate grew up with her parents and two brothers on the West Coast. Her dad worked a lot and her mom was a stay-at-home mom. She remembers her mom having a lot of angry days and sometimes she asked what was going on, but the response was usually something along the lines of none of your business. She figured her mom was stressed with her older brothers who were constantly getting into trouble. She decided that she doesn't want to add any more stress, so she was really good at school, got good grades, and behaved perfectly. She remembers not getting noticed too much, but at the time it felt good because most of the attention at home was getting yelled at. She did feel pretty bummed, though, when her parents missed her middle school graduation and her valedictorian speech, but she did get a high five from her dad later that day which felt like a big deal. Kate always felt pretty awkward around friends and often marveled at the popular kids and how they seemed to be having so much fun. When everyone started going on diets in high school, she figured she'd try it too. Maybe she would be cool then. Kate was pretty good at dieting as she was at most everything. And when she was thinner, she felt like she had a couple more friends. Everyone was asking how she did it, was asking for advice. They flocked her during the breaks. Even during the times when she did feel like she had people to talk to at school, Kate often was lonely and stayed in her room at home watching TV until she fell asleep. One time, Kate felt really down because one of the girls in school made fun of her and started to talk to her mom, but her mom shut her down immediately. Come on, Kate. I have to worry about another kid now. Then she thought maybe she would try her dad, but he wouldn't have been home for a few more hours. When Kate graduated high school, she moved further east to go to college, and from there went straight to New York, where she landed that job. She met Josh through mutual friends in the city. Kate and her parents talk pretty regularly, but not that frequently, maybe like twice a month. She doesn't have much of a relationship with her brothers, but Sam, the younger one, is moving to New York City in three months, and she really hopes that she can get closer with him. Kate hopes that through therapy, she can become a little bit happier or at least a little less confused and begin to understand her relationship with food, maybe come to some sort of acceptance of her body. She knows there is a lot encoded in her emotional experience and behaviors and wants to get some help uncovering what that is. All right, let's try to make some sense of what's going on for Kate. Now, if you haven't already, maybe take a few minutes to jot down some of your thoughts. Like, what stands out to you? What do you think is troubling her each day? And what does she long for the most? What does she dream about? Think about themes, think about details that don't seem quite right to you. And think about how some of what she's going through now may mirror her past or seem to be connected in some way to her past. These may be a couple of useful questions to ask. So number one, how did it come to be that fill in the blank was developed? What sort of function is it playing then and now? Also, what was happening that this was the only way Kate learned to approach the world and herself? Now, obviously she's gotten to a point where these behaviors and ways of thinking are getting in her way, but we have to think about them in a way that they once were protective. So some of my thoughts. She is clearly struggling with body image and self-esteem. She has a poor relationship with food and exercise. She probably binges, although it doesn't exactly say that in the story, and definitely restricts. She has trouble asserting herself. She is struggling with her career clarity and definitely has difficulty making relationships she seems pretty ambivalent about her own relationship too. A lot of the ways I look at things is based on the limited information that I have from the story. So if some of the ideas I'm throwing out there seem like guesses, they are. And you may ask how I can create these elaborate theories based on a guess. Well, given my time doing this, a lot of times the guesses are true. But if it's not, If Kate is presented with an idea and she doesn't feel like it's true, they start again. This is a collaborative process. What we do know about her past is that she probably didn't get the attention, love, and care that she craved and needed. When she wanted it, it was either met with explicit or implicit shutting her down. Clearly, she learns to keep things to herself. And to take it one step further, she learns that her needs are not that valid. Meaning it's not only that no one will listen to her or shame her if she shares what she's going through, it's that they aren't important to begin with. Then, of course, she'll struggle to assert herself in the future. This also probably affected her self-esteem. In order to develop a healthy self-esteem, we need to be told that we're pretty cool, if not downright awesome. Think about a five-year-old who comes home with a scribble artwork and mom is so excited and tells the kid how amazing it is and hangs it up on the fridge for everyone to see. Enough of these experiences let kids know that they're important. Now, I do understand that I'm oversimplifying this, but by internalizing this, it allows them to feel confident about themselves. Kate definitely did not have this. Kate learned that in order to get her parents' attention, even negative attention, you had to do something extraordinary. Or at least being ordinary would definitely not get their attention. So I'm just guessing here, but maybe shrinking her body to be, quote, perfect is a way for her to try to get them to care of it or to notice. I mean, it did work with the kids at school who finally paid attention to her when she was thin. Also, the calculated way of approaching her food means that she has to earn it. Maybe she doesn't feel like she inherently deserves anything based on what we're saying. And even something as simple and necessary as food, she has to earn. If she takes it without earning it, she has to pay the price later, like now working out. Her experience with friends in school probably has something to do with her way of connecting these days. Maybe it has something to do with her lack of self-esteem. Maybe she wonders how people could possibly like her and pay attention to her if she were to be just herself. I mean, it was pretty threatening for her to show up completely and vulnerably. All these interactions mean that maybe not literally, but emotionally, she was abandoned. She may fear that taking the plunge with her marriage will mean the possibility of Josh leaving, so it's much more painful to get invested in the relationship. She may not connect with people for the most part because of this fear. Who knows? Again, just guessing, being dramatic about it. She may also feel some type of way about marriage to begin with because Probably sounds like her parents didn't have the best relationship. Again, all of these things, I'm totally guessing. And in therapy, a lot of them will take a long time to get to. It's so easy for me to sit here and say why I think things are the way they are. Less so for Kate, because if we identify all this, she is forced to deal with all the things that were so painful. And remember, all of her symptoms ways of behaving and thinking she developed because they were so painful. These are some of my thoughts. There are probably so many other ways to think about Kate's life, so I encourage you to be creative with her story. I am completely aware that when we're left with all of these ideas, you may be thinking, uh, now what? What do I do with all of these connections? How do I actually change my life? And that is where the rest of this podcast comes in. I'm not intentionally creating a cliffhanger. I just didn't want to cram everything all in one episode. Bite-sized information, y'all. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed today's episode and you know someone who may as well, please share it. Not only does it help us reach more people, it really makes my day to know that this show is making a difference. All right, talk next time.